All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing technology and fitness. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great here in Scottsdale, Arizona. How is it over there in Granger, Indiana? Population, 107,000 people. It is cold and gross relative to what is normally like Notre Dame graduation is not this weekend, but next weekend. And normally like it starts to be nice. You can walk around the Notre Dame lakes and it's sunny and hopefully next week it'll be like that. But that's so cool. That's so cool that, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, it's, it's almost like (laughs) indirectly how I describe how shitty it is in August here, (laughs) but I, I use it in the opposite light. But it's so cool how you like there's one centerpiece right of the whole year that gives you a reflection on like, you know, how's the weather doing? Well, let's talk about Notre Dame graduation and what I remember to be, you know, the weather at that time. Right. That's pretty cool. Um, And for me, uh, it's the opposite where August is almost like you're walking to the hottest planet, you know, on the earth. You're walking, you're going back to it from uh, the nice cool lakes and yeah. I mean, don't you guys have, aside from like Death Valley, the record for the high, like the most days above a hundred degrees or something like that? Or Yeah. Yeah. It was just uh, last August. Uh, we had uh, the number of them over 110 or something like that. Um, now these measurements are taken, which should make sense for the, for the environmental savvy individuals out there. Uh, these measurements are taken down at the, the concrete jungle. So we're in a slight different area close to the mountains. There is a discrepancy between averages, but still, man, it's, it's gross, hot. And the, you know, just to keep going on that thread, just because people don't think it's all rainbows and butterflies here. Uh, the air pollution in the Valley is horrible, right? It's, it's not, it's not the cleanest place uh, throughout the country. Just do your research. It's, it's pretty, pretty bad with regards to particles. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's ridiculously hot, like uncomfortable, unlivable hot for about four months of the year. Uh, not two months, four months, where it's just like, gosh, <laughs> you just can't, can't, can't hang out in that kind of stuff, right? Can't even uh, do the things we like to do. But there's eight wonderful months. And we're at the back end of those eight wonderful months. It's May. In a couple of weeks, we're heading up to Idaho. And so uh, I'm feeling it. I can feel the, I can feel the toes in the cold water. Robbie, I can feel my toes in the cold water. Excellent. Yeah. I remember seeing a uh, YouTube video once where they like they did like a and you're probably way more familiar with this than I am, but they they were doing a YouTube breakdown of like more well off neighborhoods in Arizona versus um, less so ones where just tree coverage. Yeah. I like the yeah. same exact temperature could be like just magnified by, you know, whether there's tree coverage or not in the asphalt. And yeah. Yep. Yep. And so. People can read between the lines on what you said there, because that's a that's a very stark, you know, obvious thing if you come here with regards to where I live and and the concrete jungle. So some things to think about there. A good podcast. I'll just give it, keep if anyone's interested in the specific locale. It's called uh, Unaffordable, um, and if you search that out, you'll be able to. But it's but it talks about uh, you know, cost of living, homelessness, inflation, real estate. It talks about all those things in regards to under the Phoenix, Arizona umbrella. Um, really good reporting, really good, uh, really good stuff. So, but it brings up all of these things, right? <clears throat> so it's good. It's, it's good knowledge to have. <clears throat> yeah. Do you guys have a, um, a cold plunge at OPEX HQ? 
Uh, that would be, I don't know, a couple icicles in the top of the freezer. <laughs> that's our, <laughs> that's our cold, cold plunge. I will occasionally watch. Shark and cold plunges are cesspools. I mean, let's just say it unless they're private, you know, come on. Well, so there's, there's this company that like, uh, you know, I, I, I'd seen them kind of come through the, the interwebs and what have you. And their whole thing is, you know, ozone fil filtration and uh, five micron, blah, 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 blah. They're basically, they're trying to be like the apple of cold plunges. Okay. And they, you know, they went to the games and Rick Froning and blah, 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 blah. They've, they've been in business for 12 months. They went on Shark Tank and they got a $2.4 million deal with Robert Herchevec. 1.2 million of which goes for 15% of the company and 1.2 million went for like funding purchase orders, which is probably one of the biggest deals in like Shark Tank history for a cold plunge for something that's like a very, very niche, yeah. very niche product, yeah. like in our like. But that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me just because the, the cultural perception is so strong on these biohack concepts, right? That people attach them yeah. to, which does, it does segue nicely there, Robbie, into the conversation today for yeah. for technology um you know yeah. and uh lo and behold i mean there always used to be uh ice on water and these little holes you could just uh jump into so anyways True. but it's more it's more sexy when you pay seven thousand dollars for it yes yes and tell everyone about it yes right share it i mean you're not gonna who who pays for that and then no one knows that they got it Yes. Right. It probably comes with a sticker. It probably comes. <laughs> it probably comes with a personalized Instagram account. <laughs> yes. You get a discount if you if you play it on your Instagram account. Right. Right. Thousand bucks off if we yes. see this play every six days for forty days. <laughs> and, then, and then you're good to go. <laughs> but you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, that gets into our conversation about uh, the cold plunge pool being technology. Right. Yeah, exactly. And how much or little is that um, necessary to make us healthy relative to other very basic non-costly things? Um, yeah, so and where it fits inside the fitness. We're, we're you know. Yeah. Because it very, it's very, just to back up to our pre-call conversation, remember, we could get very, for both, very big on it. But, you know, uh, we'll try today to try to keep it in a lane of fitness, you know, like, you know, yeah. all the things we talk about for behavior, exercise, nutrition, prescription, and like what that thing is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually, I just today, I was thinking about that with relation to like the temperature here. And like, as I'm sure you're aware and other people probably listening to this are aware of like, you know, the bed jet and, you know, chili pad and these other things that um, modulate temperature when you sleep. And yeah, there is research to suggest that generally speaking, humans sleep better at colder temperatures. And, but just wondering, you know, kind of from a historical perspective, you know, people adapting to like their temperature and their given locale and like, you know, people slept in Louisiana in 1800, yeah. you know, what I mean? yeah. like they yeah. managed to figure this out somehow. And yeah. like, was there any, Hormetic effect, uh, just just interesting questions yeah. surrounding that that type thing. Yeah, I see. I think even just keep keep going on that point. The uh, the language there is something that people want to be sure they understand in what they're saying, right? So, uh, cooler temperatures. That would I would agree with you. But then, like you said, go back to Louisiana many many years ago, 
And the, the quote unquote, the, the technological marvel was realizing that if you leave your front door and back door open, you get this wind that moves through <laughs> that allows quote unquote, a cooling system, right? <laughs> and no, you weren't sharing it on the social media at that time, but also something to take into consideration, you go way, way back and say, uh, you know, even in those areas, let's say where, you know, people were maneuvering around, which even under argument to go, not to go off too far of a tangent, more recent research showed it was like 20 to 22,000 years ago in that neck of the woods in that area, they've discovered some, some individuals that were uh, hanging out. Besides the point, uh, I think we need to clarify when people start talking about that and like virtue signaling, oh, I've got the answers, you know, just go to 68 and you have this special bed and you're good to go. Well, just remember that what we were talking about was a difference in temperature. It's a, it's a difference in temperature from the daytime to the nighttime. Right. So people are like, oh, it's like it's the cooling that does it. It's like, no, no, it's the difference in temperature between what daytime temperatures were and what nighttime temperatures were. And so we get we get convoluted around this like, well, you know, we must have all been crazy. How do we get to this point in time if we didn't have these you know, fancy beds and cooler rooms? Like, well, we actually did OK, because the difference in that daytime temperature and nighttime temperature was enough to create the like, quote unquote, effect of uh, of sleep so something to consider right. right but now there's very little temperature gradient when everything is 70 right yes and with, in those internal rooms and then yes. now, now you need the extra 65 yes. yep. yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah interesting <laughs> so i guess there we had it you know put your thermometers up to 90 in the office yes and that's it sort of that's done. it solve the problem we'll fix it all so I figured today we would start off with a little intro on philosophy and its relation to technology and then, and then hop into um, fitness. So there, gosh, there are, there are a number of different connections between philosophy and technology, but there's this great, great quote from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, I've mentioned this a number of times, great resource from their article on the philosophy of technology. And we've talked about how philosophy can be construed many different ways. We've mentioned one of them uh, last time on our, other pod, or on our previous episode. But going back to when we've talked about if philosophy is the attempt to understand how things in the broadest possible sense of the term hang together in the broadest possible sense of the term from Wilford Sellers, philosophy should not ignore technology, especially today. It's largely by technology that society hangs together. It's hugely important, not only as an economic force, but also as a cultural force. Um, Indeed, during the last two centuries, when it gradually emerged as a discipline, philosophy of technology has mostly been concerned with the meaning of technology and its impact on society and culture. So, you know, as you and I talked about, um, you know, in, in ancient times and in ancient philosophy, there's this word techne uh, that's related to like art and artifacts and, you know, technology. And that's, that's where that all comes from. And like there is, you know, the wheel and, you know, the barrel and all these other things never has technology been so ever present in human life than it has been in the past hundred years. And it has fundamentally reshaped certain things, both for good and not so good. So philosophy comes in as like, Hey, what, what sense do we make of all this for like who we are and how we interact with other things? Yeah. I, when I, when you wrote that, I paused to think about it. Right. So we don't, you know, always fall prey to like, Oh, this is a special time, but you know, I, I can't, I can't disagree with that, that like, there's just, there's just so many. I think it's just the amount of them that that basically make you make that statement. Be like, this is true. This is a very special time in terms of that. Um, I got a question for you, though. I was trying to think of, you know, uh, not as late as Aristotle making these like questions on a rock, but around the 1600s, were there any philosophers that 
saw the current, you know, uh, novel new things that were at the time maybe called something like these technological marvels, right? Uh, I don't know, steam engine or electricity or something at the time. And were there philosophers at the time who had like a, a bit of a conversation around these newest things in terms of utility and, uh, um, and what it meant to the, the current culture, et cetera? Sometimes. So uh, just to clarify a time period, you're, were you talking like uh So I'll center in on something. Okay. Yeah, I'll center in on uh, uh, on uh, the scientific revolution. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very much so. I mean, yeah. Okay. Descartes, Leibniz, Hume, Locke. In a lot of ways, a lot of what they're trying to grapple with is like the new the new science, Newton, um, and you know these technological pieces where we can kind of like quantify things we can quantify the time that elapses for an object to fall and like how we make sense of I mean the, the very phrase like clockwork universe and you know God is like the master like you know watchmaker mm -hmm. uh -huh. that's everything motion kind of comes from this um, time so I, I think yeah there's a lot of that where it's trying to grapple with like these new technological developments and then make sense of how we view the world and how, how it works. Yeah. Cool. Was there any, uh, anything you can add to that on some interesting uh, polar opposite thoughts of some that were just like, <laughs> it's, it's all going to end up in dismay. And then others were like, listen, we got to mesh with this. You know, were there any philosophers on either side that. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think most of, um, I mean, most of who kind of, you know, this is where like history comes in and like, we, we look back, more admiringly, generally speaking, on the philosophers yeah. who are like, oh, yay, scientific revolution, and the ones who were not so much kind of uh, fall by the wayside. But yeah, I mean, the, the people that we're aware of today, like, you know, Hume, Hume famously said, like, his uh, treatise of human nature fell stillborn from the press. Like, no one cared. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, very few people cared, and it's only in retrospect. So there were a lot of people who um, were very anti this in a lot of ways. Um, and it was only later that it came to be kind of um, looked at favorably. Mm. Okay. So. Okay, cool. Well, I'm asking that just out loud to, mm. to maybe uh, uh, get some, get some I, I just think that listening to those people and the questions they asked uh, would be really beneficial for our conversation today on, you know, cause I think some of the questions they asked may be another way of you and I asking the same questions today with the, with the amount that we have in front of us, right? Yeah, so I just think the way they may have looked at it may have been really good. Now, one- one could probably them, go further back, you know, and yeah. get the base. Um, one just came to mind, and I'm by no means a Malbranche scholar, uh, M-A-L-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-E, uh, okay. kind of from Descartes' time, but he, uh, have you ever heard of the view called occasionalism? Nope. Okay, so it's basically the idea that like literally in every single instance of any particular action, God has intervened. Like the okay. cup falls off the table, like God did it. So, it. Uh, and I doubt any Marlboro branch scholars are listening at the moment, but like if I'm butchering this, let me know. But like as a, as a counter to the scientific worldview where like, oh, this is a clockwork universe with like laws and order that's kind of set in motion and going, you know, a, a counter view was this like, no, at every single instance, God is intervening in these mm. particular things. So mm. not, not quite on the, 
What's that? God's a busy fellow. Very busy. So not quite on the technological side, but you can kind of see this philosophical like push against like, you know, science right. and law and order right. and nature and that type Got of it. thing. So okay. Yeah. Okay. That would be cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's always good to hear that point of view. So, you know, just like we were saying earlier, like it's just, it's been so, it's been so much, right? It's, you know, if it had just been artificial lighting, right, that would have been sufficient. But like, you know, we have refrigeration and supermarkets and radio and TV and video games. And then like, when you look at the list of like what's coming in the next hundred years, like AI and autonomous vehicles and the metaverse and everything's electrical and privacy and big data, like there's a lot of change on the horizon. Yeah. To go that, that big leap you just had there. I love you said supermarkets. I totally didn't have that one on the list. That's such a great technological marvel, which yeah. is connected to the refrigeration and economy and et cetera, et cetera. But that's really good. I really like that one. Yeah. It's that, it's that going from that analog to digital, you know, would that be the big polar differences and the major things we talked about there is that analog to digital big switch maybe you know yeah majority of the focus is in that quote-unquote you know immaterial world right and the mesh between the two yeah and electrification i think i mean that yes. that's just an input. like yes. everything we think of as like a new technological development for the most part in one way or another owes right. itself to electrification so we could go back to that i'll just i i uh gave this as a book reference before it's called at days close. And it was in reference to something else for sleep and whatever, but it's a great book where they study this particular period of time in the late 1400s in England and what people did uh, during the night. And, but what you can extract from it was like how we lived in darkness. What did we do prior to everyone having access to electricity? They talk about sleep rhythms and lifestyle and murder and perversions and shit that people did. And they also talked about like lifestyles and how stuff shut down and there was a full acceptance. Anyway, my whole point being is that uh, I think I would agree with you that the electricity component and then the scaling of that was a was a was a game changer. That's a big let's let's call it uh, a technological marvel. You know, that's a game changer. Yeah. I had down in that same list, uh, but I think it has to do with that um, internal combustion engine, uh, medicine, uh, refrigeration, and electricity. I thought those were just like game changers. And then I went back further and said, well, what would have been something to consider a technological mar marvel further back? And then it becomes a little bit more loose, but agriculture, tribes into civilizations, language, and... Uh, Probably the wheel goes in there too, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, like horse and carriage, right? That's a technological mar domestication of animals moves. That's what I, I bucketed in the agriculture area. Yeah. Right. Anyways. And there's a lot more time previously to absorb these things. Yes. Relative to now where it's just like, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, the most, you know, standard person in America has a, greater quality of life than you know the greatest kings from 500 years ago in one sense but in another sense it's like just this overwhelming um change to who we are um biologically speaking um yeah. it's really profound yeah i like what you're i like 
I love this conversation because um, I I think about this a lot. It's about the uh, I always take this idea into consideration, right? It's uh, um, how how I learn something. So I'll just give you an example. I'm reading a book on um, uh, Barry Goldwater, uh, who was a former conservative politician in Arizona, and just uh, I was just interested in learning about his background. And uh, um, you know, if I was to try, I just think about it, if I was to try to attain that knowledge, the quote unquote work I would have to do in 1999 to get that right as opposed to i was thinking the current 2022 if you wanted a book or information on barry goldwater right it's like you know what i'm saying like and, and it's it's like what are we talking about in the margins there i love your word the absorption speed right the absorption speed of those technological things which is very precise for our conversation today is that i think that's a human expectation today that the absorption speed needs to be very quick for these new technological marvels and we're not giving a lot of humans time to like really work through all the, you know, the goods and bads, the ups and downs, et cetera, et cetera. Bringing back to my point, like I'd have to like walk to the library, do the search, find the book, you know, find the, the do the reading, take a note in case I couldn't take the book out, right? You know, read it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's just like, oh, wiki, five seconds, you know, full history, date, age, birth, death significant other it's like okay got it you know um anyways i love i love that word uh the absorption speed i think that's the big issue now with what we have as humans standing today and getting that and like a thousand years back how they took oh, that yeah, yeah. No, i totally agree and like even if you think about something like music and like you know people argue about like our records the best and you know a track and tape and cds like that's yeah. like a micro blip in history like physical media yeah. for like music is, is is a nothing burger dude really good point really good point i'm glad you made mention of that uh gosh anyways that's a really good point the music one my gosh I'm, like, I'm just well, anyone my, remember that, that there were different media formats in like I, 200 yeah, years that, that's right. That's, you know, I just think about, I, I just quickly went through like the Rolodex of the eight track to the, you know, to, or the, the phone on the top of the, you know, but I also did connect something really nicely there, not to summarize, hopefully what we can get everyone to today, but is this traditional awareness around the beauty inside of that record player. Right. And hopefully people who are listening in are tying that into fitness, right. Cause there are some traditional you know, older models of thinking that make the slow, <laughs> the slower kind of broken, imperfect fitness journey, really special, really special. Right. And instead, you know, the metaverse where you think you're doing pull-ups, but you're not, but it's really pristine and it's like tight and, and digital. That's, I think what I'm, I'm connect, I'm connecting to your music point. Yeah. But I'm connecting, right. It's like people making music within like three hours today, like a full album, you know, electronic interference and connection and voice changes, et cetera. Right. And think of all the, you know, the pain the Beatles had to go through to make, <laughs> to get everyone together for the 69, uh, uh, record. What was that? Was it anyways, the history of it is besides this, but anyways. So am I hearing you correctly that you're a hipster with regard to fitness? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I could take that on. I, I take that word, right? 
we'll get you the handlebar mustache and the, hey, uh, and the skinny jeans. Hey, what, and the... Whatever you want, the clothes, whatever, yeah. you know? Uh, if it comes with all other paraphernalia that are associated with hipster, I'm out. But hey, clothing, uh, language, good to go. Yeah, but it's really, I mean, it, yeah, when you go through the, I mean, when you mentioned medicine, like when you go through the litany of things, like there are proto versions of medicine, obviously that go throughout history in one way or another, but like most people don't realize like conventional medicine, like what we call conventional medicine, like the beginnings of like actual medical schools is like a little over a hundred years old. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just did not exist. Yeah. Um, so there's just, there's so much about who we are and um you know, that's just, that's changed. And like you were saying that, that rate of absorption, which whatever it is, you know, who knows how to even quantify it, but what I can, what I can definitively say is it's finite. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I know. Like for yeah. human beings, like there is a finite rate of absorption, even though it seems like we can come out with these new technologies, like the ability of the human organism and society to then absorb, uh, process and all the rest of that stuff. I don't know the rate or how you even measure it, but I, I can guarantee it's finite. So. Yeah. And I can, I believe in that. And we know that to be true because there's a shit ton of people today who have lots of information and a lot of calories and not content. That's, that's, that's reality. That's just the way. Yeah. So with all that we have, it's not seemingly better. So I agree with you totally. I think the, I think the cool thing is that you and I and others are involved in a project of trying to, trying to figure out, which is pretty cool to the umbrella of this con the topic today is how do we, how do we mesh with, with this, right? What questions do we ask, right? What questions should we ask around decision-making but what questions, just to your point, fundamentally should we ask on like, what is important, right? Right. What is important relative to, you know, if there's 28 things and we make people aware that there's 28 things, maybe we'll strengthen their ability to ask questions like what's the six most important that I can focus on and how do I, how do I figure that out? You know? Yeah. Right. And one of the things, you know, philosophy specializes in is, you know, if you think of it metaphorically, like someone careening down a river that's just getting faster and faster and faster like metaphorically speaking what philosophy asks you to do is mentally step out look at the river and then ask like yes. what is important where am i going what am i doing like how does this all you know how does this impact me how does this impact society how does this impact what i view as the meaning of my life how does this impact how we view each other and i mean you know the hard part and this is where again like the philosophy kind of comes in whether we like it or not, this change is happening. Like yeah. AI yeah. is being researched, like it's happening. Now we as individuals need to make sense of like, what do we do? Cause we aren't, we aren't going back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we have to figure out what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. There, there, there has been, people can do some research on Max Tegmark. That's a name you can read. Uh, Nick Bostrom as well. Uh, Super intelligence or life 3.0. Those would be the two books on that. But uh, you just hit on a point that's of interest. I mean, uh, we could use the psychedelic movement as a way to determine, like, is this culturally relevant where, you know, there was a point in time where this started coming up and then the psychedelic movement, people were like, you know, too many individuals came in and was like, oh, that's just going to fuck a whole ton of people up. Stop it. No, no more conversation, research, anything. Right. And now looking back, it probably could have been like, you know, 
uh, approach that a much more safer, like how does this mesh level, right? Same thing applies though to AI. If people don't know, there was quote unquote called an AI winter about 20, 25 years ago where the same kind of thing happened. Things sped up, shit got really quick, et cetera, with data and computation. And then there was a big thwarting on it. And so now we're in the back end of what would be considered, and you're reflecting on it, this big open thing of like, it, it all can move forward and we can just put things on top of one another. And I agree with you. We, we're trying to figure out at this point in time. Um, and I'm just, I'm just speaking out loud so everyone hears it. I would hate for us to be a part of the generation involved in that second winter. Um, I just, I just don't think it's going to lead to, I think thwarting it uh, may not lead to uh, some, uh, some positive movements. So uh, I'm just saying it out loud that I, I would much rather we just have quote unquote cooler heads with great intentions and people that are really positively interested in seeing how all this meshes together and then move it forward and ask like big questions and see how it can overcome a tremendous amount of things positively, right? Big things. Um, and uh, like, you know, for example, changes in financial structure, right? Changes in uh, um, labor, you know, like, like big things. And I think that having artificial intelligence and the newest technologies in good hands and good minds, I think will allow that to happen. So I just picked on that based upon your your comment of uh, these ups and downs that we can get. And currently to today, uh, I, I don't think we want to participate in another AI winter or a second version of it. No, I agree. And I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've thought about that issue with relation to number of technologies before about like, you know, if, I mean, there, there are other options besides these two, but if you think about it in terms of like, is the better route to like try and philosophize and investigate as much as possible before the thing, and then only after allow the thing or to allow the thing. And then like, you can't see the unforeseen things until the thing comes about. So it's a hard thing, but I would generally say I'm more often than not lead towards, well, we got to kind of like tread cautiously, but kind of proceed with the thing. Cause you can't know what the thing is going to cause until you have, you know what I mean? Like the experience. Yeah. So. To totally get it. The, I mean, I, you just summarized, uh, super intelligence, the book really, uh, not saying that people shouldn't still read it, but if you want to think about it in that person's mind, where they're thinking about the future of technology, right? And the influence on humans and the past, et cetera, where we are and what things it could do, right? He asks all the questions you could think of, <laughs> which you just like quickly went through the bigger ones, right? Um, and the big one that I landed on, which you just indirectly said is that we have to recognize that we at this current point in time may not even have the creative or brain capacity to know what could happen with this, right? Like even that notion itself, Eliezer Yudkowsky was the, was the MIT professor who first said that to me. I was like, <laughs> like that, that broke me. I had to pause the podcast, right? It's like, so what do you do about that? Like you, 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 humans are not even capable of handling what could happen, you know, or even coming up with what could happen. You know, just think about that, but you, you, you did that really well. And also I hope people listen in there uh, just reference superintelligence as a book and uh, read it, take your time, pause with it. And uh, it'll ask you all these, uh, and you'll land, you'll land safely, not uh, not freaking anyone out. You'll land safely. You'll see that just has to be in, has to be in good hands. And uh, we have to be ready to be able to know what the switch is, turn the switch on, turn it off and what controls that, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always, you know, it's, it's always dancing on a knife set. It's always. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I love I love uh, the the language you had there of like 
I would, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, but I think it, you de we definitely need a whole lot more philosophy of artificial intelligence. Yeah, we need, oh, yeah. definitely do need more and more people. Besides, I think there's only like one conference, big one that happens once a year. And then there's others that are like spinoffs, but we need like big institutions, right? Large scale institutions and academics that do this all the time, I think for the next 10 years. Uh, yeah. For us to, to your point, ask all these questions prior to the advent of these implementations inside of uh, culture. Oh yeah. We need lots of people sitting on the uh, metaphorical bank of the river. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of like yeah. saying, Hey, what are, you, what are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah what's, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. We could use Facebook and like the initial assumptions on that and the intentions. Right. And be like fast track into that. Be like, Oh, yeah. we're just going to bring everyone together. Okay. How'd that work out for uh, the Tunisian uh, elections or how about, uh, you know, uh, Instagram and harm to young females, right? This undisclosed, like, you know, how are we connecting the dots on that one? Right. It's like, so there's a bunch of these things that we probably, you know, I don't know if it's possible to have in a, uh, in a, in a, what's it called? Uh, a room where you're just in there playing with all these things, right. Philosophizing on it, asking questions and playing with it before it like gets out. I don't know if it's possible now that I'm thinking about that. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think for better or worse, it's that, you know, just like we were just saying, it's that dancing off the knife's age and kind of like letting it go, but always having like a hand on like the emergency break of like, okay, what, what consequences is this leading to? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, just a little primer on like, what is, what is technology? Like what, 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 what yeah. sort of thing is, is this? Um, and going back to like the ancient Greeks and techne and art and the difference between like nature and art. So dictionary definition, the application of science, especially to industrial or commercial objectives, um, you know, electronic or digital products and systems considered as a group. That's the more recent version of it, but some interesting kind of like philosophical musings on this. Um, Technology is not natural, although very often art or technology imitates nature. Um, it's something that humans create, not created by nature in the traditional sense. Of course, humans themselves are nature, um, but but you know can, you know contrast that with like the Grand Canyon or something like that. Um, and then a big one that you know Kant and others uh, talk about when they talk about like philosophy of art is that something that cannot replicate or create itself contrast with biological organisms. So um, something that doesn't have like an internal like T loss or purpose to itself aside from what it is given by its creator. We'll see how this one pans out in the next hundred years. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I was pausing on that one. I was like, oh man, that's going to be, we're going to have to definitely contend with that one in that definition. But every other piece of technology up to this point 100% falls under that. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. That, but that, that could Yeah, be. meaning the change in definition in 20 years. Let's right. See. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's something that leads to the creation of entirely new things that never existed that help us, you know, get certain things done that we need to get done, like grow food or build houses. Um, and then certain things that go beyond mere survival, not just instrumentally useful, but things like we don't need to go to space to survive. We don't need to know how old the pyramids are to survive, but science allows us to do those things, to wonder about the world and figure out what's going on. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad you uh, threw in the Grand Canyon there because there's a 
a lot of technological marvels that wrap around that entire thing. And it's only more biased and present for me reading Goldwater because of the background Arizona uh, production of water that came into the valley um, and the Colorado River and the dams. So you just think of a dam as a technological marvel, right? And again, you know, no beaver is going to put that together. <laughs> Be like, this is going to help the humans, you know? So it's, uh, but it, it, it just goes to show. And what, what, what I was getting through the thread there was um, hopefully by the end of this call, because you just clearly defined it really, and you can find some different areas of how you're going to define it, it's going to allow us to fall back really quickly to this particular definition when we start saying, well, what's the pros and cons of technology for fitness? I think, I think having those words in place of like, you know, the, the, the chance, you know, biologically, especially of uh, uh, irreplaceable um, or the, uh, uh, you know, unnatural, you know, I think simple words like that, you know, we can fall back on when we're like, you know, how's this going to fit into this whole fitness pursuit? So uh, oh, yeah. I appreciate Absolutely. that. And then once we have kind of a sense of technology, we can ask, you know, the philosophical question, how does technology relate to culture? How does it influence how we view ourselves, others, how we should set up society? Bajillion questions here, but like one pretty relevant one that's going to be really relevant in the next hundred years and is starting to be very relevant for truckers, let's say, um, you know, we could be on the verge of getting to a point where most humans won't need to work as it's classically understood. Um, now, on the one hand, that could, you know, depending on how you look at it, you know, hunter gatherers and stuff like that. I mean, there's lots of uh, debate and discussion around, well, you know, hunter gatherers didn't really need to work that much per se compared to like farming culture, right? Like they would hunt, but then most of the time they'd play. So maybe it returns us back to um, something like that. Uh, but how, do, how does that like, you know, can you imagine that? Like such a world where so much of who we are today is like, well, what do we do? And then what, what do you do when you're not like a fitness coach or a lawyer or something like that? So just a profound potential influence on uh, culture and economics, universal basic income and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, you, you just hit on the last word, the, I tiptoed into that particular area with uh, Andrew Yang's uh, conversation with Sam Harris many years back prior to his presidential nomination uh, around uh, after he had sold his company, what he was thinking about in regards to like, what's a, what's a big thing, right? What's a big thing that's a changer, et cetera. And uh, I would just ask people to continue to use universal basic income as your entry into what you're speaking about, which is how can you psychologically contend with these massive fundamental changes that will happen, that will happen, right? Not, not possibly could, will happen. And I, of course, we need to talk about what will happen, but you, you gave a couple of instances there, travel, um, or like how, you know, we move things across land, right? How about you don't need humans for that? Oh, I was going to need humans for that. You know, this is where we draw the line between, okay, what's the, is there a timeline on it or what we're discussing? It is going to happen. Uh, retail, like, what it means for security versus coming in and having a human actually interact. So we essentially can go down this road with like retail, fast food, trucking. I think there was like two other points that Andrew pointed out. And I'm just, I'm just voicing it to say it's a good spot for you to philosophize and contemplate over how you're going to contend with these really big, uh, big things that may happen in your lifetime. Right. And what do we do about that? And it's, uh, 
it's, um, it does fall right in our lap for fitness because we have to discuss that, which we'll get to, but it kind of sets it up really well. To, it, it is a big thing to think about. Where does the human, where does the human come into this when machines become dominant? That's the big, right. that's the big one. Yeah, exactly. When AI can, you know, program your nutrition and program your fitness and, you know, what about the human relationship and all those different things? Yes. Yes. Um, just a couple more mini questions that we'll just lightly touch on and then we'll dive right into fitness, but just to give people a flavor for kind of like the questions that philosophy of technology asks, obviously one that we'll be asking that many people, I'm sure even who haven't studied philosophy, you know, ask themselves, does technology always mean more progress? You know, there's, there's a story and a narrative behind that. It's certainly led to a lot of benefits. Um, but it can also pose, you know, risks to social values. So a famous example is, you know, the iPhone. I'm about as big an Apple geek as, uh, as anyone. And, uh, you know, the iPhone has had a lot of really amazing benefits for a lot, for a lot of different potential things, but there are a lot of drawbacks, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, and I suspect you remember as well, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to just like answer an email real quick on the beach? And then like, yeah, you can just go back to being you, but now it's always connected, never off chronic blue light exposure, you know? text neck and uh you know social isolation and the constant need for the uh oh i remember when apple announced because i i would watch all the um the keynotes like wouldn't it be cool if you didn't have to go into your email to see if you had a new email you get a notification and it's a push notification and now we have the oh no do not disturb save me from the notification the overcorrection yeah it's like whoops yeah they're building it into their own systems Right. Exactly. And Instagram, like to your point earlier about, you know, um, young girls and their self-image, there's like, there's a part of Instagram they, you know, they partly did just to like alleviate the pressure they were getting on them, but like, how many hours am I using it? And like, can I set off this time? And like, you know, that type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Oh man, so much. Well, no, I was the craziness for sure, but there's so much in there in terms of, uh, the uh, the change the, what I think about there is the change from the interweb to the iPhone to attention media platforms these three big like things on top of one another right so just think about you know think about trying to explain to someone like explain to Ronald Reagan <laughs> during his tenure um, you know oh yeah you can just uh, explain this and you can get it to a million people in a couple of minutes you know it's like what you know there's going to be this internet where you can just propose you know propose so i was just i was just trying to think about you know um how to contend with all that when they're all jammed together and i, I won't i won't pause it but anyways you, you stopped me in my tracks for just reminiscing on just how large it is uh, just how large of the the growth has been yeah that's what made me pause there um yeah. And I mean, going back to one of the points, you know, you were making earlier about like, we don't know what we don't know, even for the people who developed this. So again, like I've read, you know, a ton about Apple, like Apple famously for a very long time was not so great with third party software. Like that was, that was a famous thing. Like they were, you know, yeah. it was the PCs and then Apple kind of had their own stuff. So when the iPhone comes out, it's got a web browser. They don't do third-party apps. We're like, oh, we'll do web clips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And even Apple themselves are debating, should we have an app store? Should we not? 
And then a year later, they come out with it. And then everything, Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff, stuff that like Facebook existed pre-iPhone, but of course, nothing accelerated that like, like that. And then talking about things you couldn't foresee before you, you created them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Jobs, Steve Jobs would say, say stuff like that. You could just see Bill Gates like in, in his room just cracking when he would say it, right? Like, we're just going to take your desktop and put it in your hand all day. Is like <laughs> crack, you know, with all these apps of all this stuff and you can do all, the, you know, your computer is basically in your hand. It's like, holy crap, it actually is going to that. Add the, add the phone to it, add the connection to other people. You got yourself a storm. Yeah. yeah. But even like Apple themselves who developed the phone had no idea like what people would do with the app store. Yeah. So yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it is a current, uh, a current uh, way to observe this as like technology. This whole story uh, would be to watch uh, Hulu's uh, uh, the Therano story. Uh, oh, the dropout. The dropout. dropout. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Oh man, <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's all of this, right? Technology, uh, falsifying, uh, belief, uh, absorption, speed, right? Um, popularity instead of like science, <laughs> like all of it is in there, right? Fascinating yeah. story. Oh yeah, super, super. I mean, it was it was very well done, and like. I had followed it back when it was happening just because I was. It was it, local it, it, to me, right? It was local to oh, me. We used, oh, we yeah, used right, Theranos right. like every couple of weeks, dude. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, no, we have the we have the Walgreens right there. Wow. <laughs> the wellness center that my okay. wife and I used and realized after a couple of years, it was the same Quest or whatever technology, Siemens technology they were using, but saying it was the blood droplets. You know, it's like, and we were trying to, because Jeff Trabot and I were, were saying, but but dude, all of it lines up. Like we did this expensive $450 test and I did this $9 test and it's the same scores. So Leanne and I and everyone in the room, I mean, we were all bought it, right? We're all like, oh yeah, this is, like, this is the fucking greatest thing ever. Even to the point where we're thinking about how do we, you know, how do we get into some investment of these spin-off cottage country businesses that are going to come from this, right? Because essentially you know, on the outside looking in, they essentially said like, oh, that whole really expensive laboratory thing, pff, rip it apart, <laughs> rip it apart. Like it's useless. We're like, wow, this is fascinating. Um, anyway, so it's local to me, very, very personal to us. And I mean, I knew about some of the deception when reading the um, John Carrier stuff, but like mm. until watching the show, I did not realize the depth of the like diluting the blood and then putting Dude. in the semen and erasing data sets data sets and crazy dude you know every time the show finishes at night uh it's classic leanne goes to bed i take a couple minutes put lily our own little routine but for the past number of nights after we're finishing one of those episodes we pause and look at each other like that was crazy like we continually say this every night like i can't believe that was going on you know, it seems like it's because it's more of a personal thing to us, right? It's like, gosh, I can't believe we really did think that there was truth in those values. And now you see it in an entertainment setting from actors and the story. It's like, gosh, pause and reflect on that. Anyways, it's a great story for our conversation today on what, what was considered to be a technological marvel, right? 
Oh yeah. The, the 30 years that went into developing the Siemens machine, right? It's just like, <laughs> whatever, drop a blood, get all this information. Oh. <laughs> uh. And it would be cool if true. And, you know, this is where like the distinction between like wanting to believe the thing and, you know, there being uh, a reality to it. And I think one of the things they mentioned in the show is like, you know, we might say there are all sorts of bad or unsavory things that come from the move fast, break things mentality of Facebook and like apps and stuff like that. But that isn't someone's cancer results. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you might have all sorts of unsavory stuff, but it's not like, you know, you're going to die of a heart attack or you have prostate cancer or what have you. So, yeah. yeah. And to make it more real and sorrow harrowing, I guess it'd be a spoiler alert. So just plug your ears, but you know, this, this resulted in people killing themselves, right. And lives lost in this, right. So to your point, you know, this is, that was serious, right. When it becomes like that, where it's human and breaking things, breaking humans, I don't know. That's where we got to call it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. That's where you should be put in jail. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Hopefully that happens with her. We'll see. And then I guess the last uh, question that we can kind of dive into fitness is um, this has been one th- throughout, you know, the philosophy of technology. Is technology inherently value neutral? You know, do we just say, oh, well, it's just a piece of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a TV, it's a, it's a sound bar, it's a, it's a hammer. Like, yeah, you could use a hammer to kill someone or to build a house, or you can use an atomic bomb to obviously commit war crimes, or you could use it to deflect an asteroid from hitting earth, or is there an inherent uh, value in a technology depending on maybe its purpose or its design? You know, maybe we can use an atomic bomb for like non-atomic bomb things, but like the reason it was developed was to like- Like energy, right? Yeah. Fission or, or, you know, nuclear energy today. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure, Robbie, if I, but- could you know at the same time with the manhattan project or what was going on i'm sure there's some things that came from that that were that were not nefarious that led to like nuclear power generation right right so i mean i think that answers my question i think it's it's probably because i could simply fall back on the hipster (laughs) and say you know it's unnatural and therefore dot 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 you know but um yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah, I'm not sure about that one because I think about what are the what are the inherent values in nature. That's what I, that's what I went to asking the question. What are the inherent values in nature? Um, but I think that current human nature involves culture, and when culture is inside of that, you know, new definition of that experience, I think inside of culture, which is parent to today, you know, you have to make just have to make good decisions with lots of conversations and lots of questions on, right. On like, is this good? Is this not good? Well, let's try it with this. Let's do this. It's gotta be, it's, you gotta spin it in the circle. Right. And I think that or spin it in the system or the quote unquote town square have conversations and then make decisions. And that means now it's culturally significant, right. Or culturally relevant. And then I would say that it's, I'm not sure if that gives you an answer to your question for me personally, but I think it's the, I use, uh, what's his name? Kevin Kelly, I think, who wrote uh, The Inevitable. Um, he was the Wired uh, CEO or Wired uh, editor, head editor for Wired. Anyways, he was like, we have to learn how to mesh with technology, not mess with technology. 
think in very simple terms, right? That that says everything that I just said. You know, blend with it. Is it in the culture? How is it effective? And ask lots of questions just to make sure it doesn't doesn't get us into trouble. So yeah. I'm not sure if that gets into the values area, but yeah, no, it, it does. And I mean, that's gonna basically connect us right to the fitness technology thing. And perhaps the first thing we'll discuss of devices where, you know, you could ask based on what we just said, where is it technology inherently value neutral? Like we could just say, oh, there's no inherent value one way or the other, good or bad to a whoop or to a kettlebell or a dumbbell or a Peloton. Um, it's just what you use it for. Yeah. And then, but, and then, you know, there might be, and perhaps there is a, a counterpoint where you say, well, what's it being developed for? Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it for these subscription? You, do you know what I mean? Like th- yeah. those types of questions where it's not just, oh, it's not just some random object that like yeah. exists. It, it has a, a purpose behind it that uh, I guess we can debate, you know, what kind of value is associated with that. But that, that's, that's really where it comes from is this question of like, are all these, you know, if we apply it to the fitness realm, we would say, are all these things just objects like a rock that have neither good nor bad values or, uh, and then it depends on how you use them, or is there some inherent value to them? perhaps dependent on how it's developed and who it benefits and, and that type of thing. Yeah. I, I, I just find the current I'm generalizing, but the current crop of, of the, the uh, options or the, the, uh, the, uh, the fitness things, you know, call them wearables or tech or whatever our list is going to be for what current technology is, especially within fitness. And yeah, I just, I just see them coming with, for good reason, I guess, but coming with all these things, you know, like we're going to hack biology. We're going to make things much easier for you. This is definitely a better way to observe your health. Like they come with all those things, you know, and, but, but the people who mostly listen to those things don't know, (laughs) don't know that it's based on a surveillance capitalism kind of concept, right? And I think that's what that needs to be maybe another day or, you know, maybe no one even needs to hear that, but that needs to be stretched out. Like, well, well, how, how can you be sure of that? And I, I always just say, just follow the money, right? Just, just follow the money as to who's investing, who's putting all the energy into and who are making the decisions up top that are saying, is this worthwhile? And should we make these moves? And you know what their answers are? Is it going to make our shareholders or, st- you know, these and then you follow that money and it's largely wrapped around big pharma or big medicine you know so it's 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 really a uh so so then inside of there the public has to go well can i know those things but also use this technology to help me move forward and progress to that i would say a resounding yes but uh, I just think that there's, I, I personally believe so much more in, especially for today in 2022, the, the move back towards more intuition, but I totally understand why in 2022, it's signaled as being this answer to, for a whole lot of people where I believe the answer is wrapped in experience and hard work and human intuition. And so I think that's the that's the balance that, uh, that I think we have to play out. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. And I think, I mean, I don't know how fine grained we want to get with it, but 
you know, I, I broke things and broke things into potentially different classifications. And I feel like there are things that have more potential for being nefarious and things that have less potential. So if we started off with like yeah, the right. very basic of the basic, like fitness devices, and we talk about like resistance on the one side and aerobic on the other, like, you know, we've got barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells and like, was that nefarious to have developed those or like a basic Schwinn device? Oh, mm. I, I don't think yeah. so. It's like, I mean, may, may, maybe perhaps, but like, yeah, you know, if it's a cold environment and you want to breathe a little bit, okay, yeah, hop on a Schwinn or like hey, rocks are cool, but like, I want to be able to be a little bit more precise with my weights and you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And that's not tracking anyone. That's not submitting no. any data anywhere. Sure. Like that, sure. that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good question. Um, and it allows us though, to clearly define, I see this continuum that's arising here. Right. Um, because I classified all the things that you'd mentioned there as modalities that are, that are capable of allowing people to physically challenge themselves to improve their resilience. So I, yes, it's called a new technological marvel, the Airdyne Schwinn, right? Um, and it does come packed with just besides the cost, which today it's like 150 bucks at your local, you know, um, old age home or, uh, you know, elder, elder uh, folks area. Uh, it, you know, that, that's the biggest, biggest thing to it. What's on the other side of it? right? On the other side of it, massive potential for you to improve your resilience, right? So I think that, that, that helps me by you asking that question that way, like what fits into these areas and it creates a good continuum, you know? And I think I'm going to say right from the get-go here, just to start with those two wearables versus modalities, I think wearables sits farther away from modalities because of all the things that I just said are, are inside of the things you can get from this. Because if we were to philosophize and like argue over that on the wearables area, dude, I, I reach bedrock philosophically with most people pretty quickly. It's like, yeah. I, we can't even, <laughs> we can't even continue. Like we've stopped now. So I think that, thank you for that. Cause now, now we can add more to it, right? Where does this fit in? Where does, you know, and right. uh, yeah. No, and I think that's a great way to describe it. And so like, and I think those two ends of the spectrum is like exactly right. So here's a middle case for you. The middle case being the modality slash monitoring device. So our Pelotons, our mirrors, yes. our Tempo Studios, yeah. our Fight Kings, yeah. um, you know, where we've got the recording and the apps and the, mm. the data sets and the things like that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I saw one the other day as like, have you seen the one that's like the, the boxing with the music? Like yeah. you're hitting the like drum pads. And so, uh, thoughts on that Thought, thoughts yeah. on those. Yeah. You know, immediately that, immediately yeah. my brain goes to, uh, why would you want to quantify the work that's being done? Um, that's the first, that's the question I would ask to kind of like, cause if, 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 if the why behind the quantification of that is for, oh, well, you know, it's going to allow people to see their progress. We all know that's horseshit <laughs> like background. Well, you and I may know it as that, but, you know, I think a lot of people will start to see that over time is like, well, what am I getting with that? So I, I, that does to me, the quantification of that lean more, lean more on the, uh, on the wearables aspect. Um, because then I, cause I'm, cause now, and then let's see if I'm close to it. I would say what's on the other side of the modalities would be running shoes. You see that? So the running shoe is, is a fucking technological marvel <laughs> that, you know, could be, could be seen as a modality, right? And, and then you can say, well, 
um, you know, what, give me a close second to compete against Concept Two's uh, rower. And I would say, you've never, you got to come to Idaho and do some kayaking with me for a couple hours. You see, what I'm saying like, I'm not going to offer you anything in quantifying what we did, but I can tell you your experience and the work that you'll do and the benefits you get from it, and your intuition and all these things that build your resilience is alarmingly higher than what that rower with that quantification seems like you're getting. So I'm not sure if that splits it a little bit, or I think it, the quantification aspect and the why behind the quantification is, is something that I, I kind of, I kind of just have more questions to. But that's very that, good. That's good challenging. I love this play, by the way, because in my mind, I love developing these continuums of systems, right? It, it helps my language. So I appreciate it. No, that, that was super helpful. And um, I, I think you brought out an aspect of technology that I, I failed to mention um, that kind of relates to science and, you know, kind of this move from the qualitative to the quant quantifiable, right? Like with science and with technology, you know, all the way back from, you know, Galileo trying to figure out like, how do I clock this thing falling from the tower? And now we just have like tremendous precision with what we are able to quantify. But as we'll, we'll talk about, like, what does that mean? Is that useful? You know, it's, it seems as though it was just like you were saying, these repetitive sets on the concept two are better, but like, what about, you know, being out in nature and kayaking and um, yeah, from someone who's done it, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not just someone poo-pooing like, Right. Oh, you know, this, this modern stuff from someone who's like lived and breathed in like that, that realm. And then saying like, Oh, you know, yeah. Perhaps and ironically not. done more of the former, <laughs> a lot more of the sets on the quantification than yeah. the opposite end. Right. So, but that, but I, I uh, go back to your point on, you know, the back in time, the big minds asking those questions. Right. I'm sure at the time, a lot of people were like, why are we even, why are you even asking this question? <laughs> why, why are you going after that? Right? Like there's so much beauty in just the apple falling from the tree. Why do we need to have, you know, meters per second? And lo and behold, we find out hundreds of years later, like it prevents, I don't know, thousands of people every hour from dying, you know, like you know, this, this is these preventable catastrophes all why? Because we decided to ask those really hard questions, right? On the, the value beyond just the quality of it, right? We're going to quantify exactly what's happening here. So I, uh, I see that, I see that uh, you know, in another thread, this may be something that uh, you'd be interested in is the, uh, is generally always the, the certainty and, the, and the, the love that people can have for macros, right? And the quantity aspect, right? The, the, the numbers, right? And I totally get it. Uh, for humans as to why that is the case. You, whereas, you know, there has to be some conversation with, I think both you and I agree with that. It's got to be an equal balance of like the quality of it at the same time, right? So we, we, have to, we have to balance these things. And I see that as the same way, what you were just asking, moving from this, just like, just eat, you know, three meals a day and chew well and make sure it's on, on package. But, but then what's the science to it that's going to make it work, you know, for people? And do we need science or do we need technology to do that? I think we do. We need LearnRx, right? We need CoachRx for you to track it, right? I'm calling my own shit here, right? We need maybe some, you know, uh, chronometer, you know, to kind of pull that stuff together. So these are all technological pieces that are going to help that, that uh, quality aspect move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And But I, I, do, I do tend to agree with you that a lot of them, 
they are they are definitely you know some deeper micronutrient insights and chronometer like deeper blood sugar insights and like a cgm but more often than not they are corrective rather than like yes the necessary thing and um you know when you think i mean very often i'll bring up this point to people of like we didn't know what a calorie was until the middle of the 1800s and we sure as shit weren't tracking macros um we didn't we didn't even have the concept of it yeah and yet for all of human history people were able to maintain and regulate a regular weight ironically it's only once we became aware of that concept that uh, i mean that wasn't the cause and effect thing but like yeah but it's always morbidly obese yeah right so like we we somehow managed with you know and animals do this all the time they have no concept of how much or little anything is and manage to regulate. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, um, but I, I, love I think that. Point- so we could say maybe, uh, just, just to kind of create a, a principle inside of there that we're seeing some through lines for a bunch of different areas is the, is the aspect of quality first and the knowledge of it. Right. And we of course have to define that more so, but right. Just spend time there, keep discussing it, philosophize on it but quantity will come in. Yeah. I mean, like the, so, so I guess uh, this is the way I, I say it in CCP nutrition, right? It's like most times if you focus all your energy with all your clients on the psyche and behavior around quality, a lot of the quantity stuff takes care of itself. Whereas if you do the opposite, you first focused on quantity, you will get into irreplaceable broken behaviors when you want to trump the quality card, right? It's like, or just throw the quality card out. So I think that's a principle there that's had a couple of through lines here, the quality aspect, and then move it into the quantity or the technological, and then to bring it all together, right? Your experience in fitness, your capabilities, the subjectivism around all that, right? And then over time, we'll get into some specific stats and specific kind of science and maybe technology to help support it. Yeah, no, I would generally agree with that. I, one place where I, I do wonder, and I do have a question, I'm just curious your thoughts is um, resistance, right? So, yeah. um, you know, obviously intuitively we can know, oh yeah, this rock over here is lighter than this one. And, you know, um, but there being something to perhaps- <laughs> I'm like, going to send you a rock quarry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. The James rock set. <laughs> Oh man, I'm going to sell it online. Like kids used to develop rock sets back in the day. Oh, they'd get their little soldiers in the mail, you know? Oh. Yep. No handles of any sort. Just cost more to ship than the actual device itself. <laughs> it'd, be like uh, the, it'd be like the treadmill Peloton controversy. <laughs> People would be dying in like five days. Bring the marketing back. Oh my dropping it on themselves yeah, yeah. um but well, yeah i mean you know not not that everyone's trying to you know whether you call it a back squat or a deadlift or whatever you're focusing on but like just this uh oh yeah there you know it's kind of cool like oh i went up two and a half pounds you, you know what i mean like yeah some quantity aspect and like particularly in resistance that seems to me to be maybe a newer and more helpful i mean it's not that people haven't done something like this in the past, but there's something to that where you kind of like pass through the stages and then always trying to like hit that potential and different ways in which you can hit it without it being like, oh shit, this one over here is like, you know, the Denny stone is like 400 pounds. And then this yeah. one's like, yeah. you know, you, you know what I mean? Do you see any 
use for that or more use for quantification in that case, or maybe not so much? No, for sure. Um, I, I love this conversation under the particular resistance realm. Uh, Also, I spoke for three hours, almost straight, only five days ago or four days ago on this particular topic. So it's right on the tip of my tongue in remembrance. And I'll put it in short form for an understanding is that it is in my belief too, that for people to work towards, if the presupposition that we're all agreeing, we should move towards maximal physical potential forever, then you have to have your base support of being quality of movement through repetitions to gain motor control first on this journey. But then over time, we have these quote unquote conversations on standards, 1RM, what is load? What is the maximal load? How does this load compare to other movements? How do you like, you know, monitoring exercises, et cetera. So you can call call that all the quantification of, of, this massive time spent on quality movement. So it, it is inside of the entire fitness journey for resistance. It's just that I would, I would argue again in principle that um, it should come with you know, motor control first and, and a vast you know, perturbations and variation and awareness and knowledge and competency. And you know, for people even thinking about bending before they're even doing bending, like, I mean, there's just, it's just years and years of that. And yes, we will get to the point. It's like, how much is that? You know, how much is that? How much is that relative to your body weight? Uh, how much has that improved over the past year? Like, that's then the quantification of it with regards to uh, the variances in modalities. And then I would hope to continue the story. I would hope that over time, right, which, which is what I'm experiencing, and I think I'm going to continue to experience, I don't think it's going to some, somehow all of a sudden shift with medicine or et cetera. Um, I am starting to get the, get the insights and lose, uh, lose pieces of quantification inside of all of my resistance training. So I think it's a full life circle there of, of, of you know, cause as you're, when you're resisting entropy towards the end of the story, so let's just make it personal for me, the next 30 years of my life, it doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter what's on the barbell right? But it, it will matter more about the quality of the movement relative to the resistance that I'm, that I'm doing, that I'm able to overcome. But to, to back to your question. So I think it's, you can't see me on the screen, but I think it's like, it's, it's quality and then quantity. And then over, over life, it becomes quality. Yeah. yeah. So eventually okay. it's the rocks. Yeah. Back <laughs> to the rocks. <laughs> The There's going to be another movie called The Rock. There was, there was the one with Sean Connery and Nick Cage and Alcatraz, but now there's going to yeah. be James movie where it's like yes. The Rock. Yeah, so. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to get over the Dwayne Johnson uh, controversies and trademark uh, issues with that. But yeah. but Sean Connery still says, welcome to The Rock. Oh, that's a good one. He's, he's not owning that today. I don't know why. Every time uh, Dwayne Johnson comes up. No. Anyways, I, I recognize my dog doesn't let my my dog doesn't like the rock, uh, by the way, little Lily. She's only like 15 pounds, a little Pomeranian trial mix, just because you mentioned the rock. Um, and she freaked out the other night. Uh, Hannah got as a gift because she likes the rock. She got this like full life, like six foot five cardboard figure of him, you know, with the eye thing and a nice suit, you know, um, and uh, like she freaking pulled. She brought out the thing out to the living room the other night. And Lily flipped her lid. <laughs> oh, wow. 
wow. like just shit her pants, like stuff up on her neck, the scents coming off her, like full visceral, like, you know, uh, response. Um, you know, she stank. She's like just a horrible stink to her, right? Just based yeah. on all that stuff coming off. Anyways, so I'll be careful to tiptoe into the rock um, and the rock quarry over time. That territory, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I think we could say maybe based on what we were discussing, you know, in terms of like a continuum, we could maybe say like, you know, with modalities on the one end and um, wearables on the other, we could say something like we've got fitness equipment over here on one end, you're schwins your barbells your kettlebells your dumbbells and then maybe next over would be kind of like uh a coacher x learner x my fitness pals something in that that realm that's kind of helping you dial that blgs in and then we kind of get to the like now we've got the fitness equipment that is the wearable like the peloton the mirror the tempo and the fight camp and then we've got like the aura the whoop the heart rate monitors the cgms the really good really yeah. good yeah yeah. And I think if we spent, you know, even hours on that away from this call, or we can ask people to do that, right. Maybe draw out your own bigger continuum with a bunch of different things. And if there's anything in there, you come up with that we didn't mention today, just reach out and uh, uh, I'd love to hear from it. It'll never, we'll never report it in or do like a callback show, but uh, I'd be interested in what you come up with, with regards to the something I'm missing on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as, as virtuous as I think, well, maybe, I don't know if virtuous is the right word, but as, as much as I think a prescription device or modality could be beneficial to society or humanity, something like a CGM, you know, when I think about all the use cases, like, and, and how profound it will be when it's, you know, more accessible or when they can do it optically yeah. or what have you, it, it is a corrective. Yeah. Like you don't need a CGM if, you know, you're sleeping eight hours a night and, you know, you got the three meals and you got the quality and like, you just, you don't need a CGM. Like, I mean, yeah. in, in, unless, unless there's, there's something acute genetically, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, that, yeah. you know, type one or something like that. Um, yeah. No, so, but you, yeah. you are with using CGM, you are bringing up that, uh, that, that issue that I said, you know, earlier that needs to be like, you know, you need, you need to say like, how are humans going to deal with this today? And if you start with that, with that premise, right. Then CGM is off the table. Right. It's like because if you, if you don't recognize right that we are it's it's normal for us to try to adapt and evolve and to make things easier. Right. Do you really think people are going to like uh, also use I'm not asking you, but, you know, ask yourself this question, you know, use the CGM and also use intuition after like a boatload of white rice in the afternoon. Right. And be like, hmm, I'm not sure if that was a good choice. And then be like, let me see how I feel before I look at my CGM, right? It's like, oh, I feel like having to sleep. And lo and behold, the CGM, you know, like there's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I think to your point, most humans are going to use it as a corrective. And then because we'll, we adapt, guess what we're going to come up with? We're going to come up with something to correct that, right? It's going to, and this can be whole compensatory and this ends up what ends up going to happen is you're going to have uppers and downers, like just back and forth all the time. Just make sure you stay in this zone. <laughs> you know, that's a, a don't don't forget to measure your HRV throughout the day with your uppers, with your downers, with your measurement of your uppers and measurements of your downers. Right. It's like, dit, 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 dit. Uh, I like this pre-workout because it helps me stay within my zone. What zone? Well, the zone that my watch tells me I should, you know, it's like, why <laughs> just just move. <laughs> Just move around. Oh, you're tired? Just lie down, go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
no, agreed. And like about, you know, interesting individual differences. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen or heard like, and Brandon and I will sometimes joke about, so Michael Band will talk about how, you know, he'll, uh, he'll do like six cups of rice a day with like BJJ training. I'm like, that would lay me out on the floor. Like, <laughs> I know Michael Band knows, has forgotten more about like FDN and all that stuff. So I know he's got his stuff dialed in, but it's like, wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. So just thinking about like individual differences there and like, yep intuitively how do you not feel like you are dead that's right that's right you know um that's the things i think about and then it comes back to like well does any individual need a technological support to do that and i don't think they do you know i think they should just like observe what's going on and the choices they make and how they're like dealing with these tasks um and how that you can use things like conversations on mental acuity and you know you can go to my learner x uh video uh right um what's it called my learner X video on the technology or how am I doing? I think it's called, how am I doing? I think that's the learner X video. Anyways, you can go to that one. Um, but I talk about that. It's like, use these things like, you know, what's my energy like throughout the day. Right. And, and what it should it be throughout the day? Uh, how do I feel, you know, for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes after each of these meals. Right. And what can I do as a feedback loop to like change up what I have during those meals, how I eat those meals, what's going on during those, like, this is where you go and you don't need technology to support that just for those who are, you know, in that particular area on the CGM, you know, blood sugar mismanagement technology conversation. Yeah. What I did, th- you know, and I mean, I think we're pretty much in agreement and like this, even if this were a counter example, which it might be, but like, it, it's not a, it's not, you know, for philosophers, a counter example is like, oh, that negates everything that was said before. It's like, no, this is really the one exception that kind of proves the rule. But just thinking about things where like quantification or data can be, useful i was talking to brandon earlier today about um you know something like lp little a so like uh, for people who don't know like bob harper the you know biggest loser he had like a widowmaker heart attack had a heart attack and i think his lp little a was like i don't know 400 and for context that's like a um it's a marker of um heart health to a certain extent that is not quite as modifiable as you know oxidized LDL or LDL particle number, other things like that. And, you know, normal values are closer to like, you know, 30 to 50. Uh, so th- things like that, I, I think of, or other, other things that, um, man, you can BLG to your blue in the face, but if you've got an LP little a of 400 or, you know what I mean? Like some, sometimes things yeah, like that. I would useful. use, yeah, for sure. I would use that story, um, as I would use that story as, as probably just a, as an, as an example of there are areas probably for, you know, the aspect of quantification, like we, and because you used his particular name and his story, listen, we'll never know. Like, how, how do we know there's, there's a fucking 18 other things that didn't lead to these particular things. And, you know, it's like, you just never know. Right. So I'm really cautious of saying, Oh, it's the technology assessment that should have been in there to determine what this was. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I'm not negating the fact that I'm sure there's some areas in there, but I don't know, Robbie, I guess I would have to like flush all those out. So for, you know, that one and maybe others, I think I would be able to say it's very, very tough to create causative factors for that particular thing to say that, Oh, technology should be, should be embedded inside. Cause you know, we can, you just got to get in depth. You're going to have to know the person, read, read the life story book, like know the whole picture. Right. 
And, uh, and lo and behold, what happens if this, if we come down to like, well, it's just genetics, right? Like it was, it was just, and now, now we're into like, well, okay, now this is interesting because um, this is culture, this is humans and these, let's call it, let's make it simple here for short. These are BLGs and this is food, right? And lo and behold, there's a particular kind of protein, animal protein that when you're born and up until you're 37, you have no idea that's causing you like a major underpinning disruption, right? And you, no one would ever know why, because the technology wasn't invented, right? The technology wasn't invented in order for you to assess this. So I think that area is one area that I'm highly interested in, uh, not only because of this underpinning of like what's going to come to how to, you know, best suit humans for the current culture, but I, I, I like, as you know, I, I, I'm interested in all the nefarious background shit that's that people are going to get into with regards to genetic, you know, uh, predisposition changes or, you know, genetic formation, eugenics shit is going to come up again, like, you know, uh, you know, all the dirty stuff with that. So I think to back up, I think the, the genetic one would be maybe a an umbrella area where I'm in, I'm in the room with you on that one. It's like, Ooh, geez, you know, is there, is there new technology that's out there on the street, more accessible to all that would certainly raise all ships, right. That, that we could get to this. So, so the Bob thing wouldn't happen. Right. I mean, I'm fuck, I'm, I'm all for that. That'd be fantastic. But I would be very careful to say that the technological assessment um, is is going to you know this is directly going to lead to this as being the causative factor where there's so there could be 18 other things you know based on that yeah, yeah. and I mean even if this is a thing like it's 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 a it, we're talking like the one percent of the one percent relative to the BLGs but yeah. you know there are you know culturally people think oh well if I have the gene for MTHFR or what have you like oh well that you know that means such and such when in reality you know, genetics slows the gun environment, pulls the trigger, but th there's a spectrum, right? There's like, oh, cystic fibrosis and Huntington's over here. We're like, no, yes. you got the genes, you got the genes. Yes. Like, there you go. Yes. Uh, there's double APOE4. Like, oh, okay. Whoa, yeah. you better know about that one. Yeah. Um, so, but, but again, I, I agree with you that those are like, um, you know, <laughs> let's focus on the BLGs first. But I, I, I was just, yeah. I was just thinking in my head of like different things that, um, you know, could be revealed that could be, um, helpful, but a lot of it really does come back to kind of BLGs and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that does, we're not going there, but that does make us, I mean, set up things down the road, perhaps for another conversation on, uh, you know, uh, the nurture and nature conversation. Yeah. Right. Like these, uh, these things like, well, we know we die due to this, right genetics, uh, toxic overload, wear and tear. Um, but you know, you know, what is expression, right? What is, what's your environment? What's the choices that you like? I mean, it's like this, whew, this nice balance in there. And I think the technology does flop in here, right? It's like, well, how can we assess all of that, you know, currently to today, which brings back just to your more recent topic of the, I think the, the, the past 30 years in genetics, uh, understanding is really, really, a, a a silent but very powerful story that's being that's being asked yeah absolutely mm -hmm. um which i so love by the way just to see put myself in a camp I, I i love i i think it's i think it's a very powerful human endeavor uh even more so i would believe in terms of ai in the future and and hope um i think the 
you know, the, the genetics discoveries and like investigation today, I'm super excited to be alive when this is happening. Oh yeah. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg. I think, I think this blood software, I forget the name of it is now defunct and there are notes. Uh, (laughs) well, not as nefarious, of course. I, I went to a, uh, Brian Walsh, and I'm sure you know, like awesome, very smart dude. And I went to a seminar of his in Orange County and he was showing off this um, piece of software that, you know, was using AI and blood chemistry to kind of like, oh, how closely does this correlate with like H. pylori? You know what I mean? Like extracting data out of like what's not immediately inherent in the data, which is, you know, that that type of stuff is super interesting. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. And you got to give it up to uh, these companies that did this uh, genetic research for many years for giving up the data and not selling it at a super high cost. You know, people, I know these people who tried to develop these genetic formulas and whatever, and they've always been, you know, they always want, they truly want that project just to move forward. Right. So they're not, they're not, they're not, not, they're not, not allowing people like this to say, can we just like scrape it and try to create these correlations with all this data? Um, so I think I agree with you. That's a very positive movement where, again, just back to our point to finish on, you know, uh, this newest forms of technology, when there's humans not in the room that could obviously find all these connections in 10 minutes, that would take us a thousand years to like put all the paperwork together. No, honestly, it's 10 minutes that would take us a thousand years. Right. Right. Computation is like, is, is actually it's mind blowing. Right. It is because it does blow the mind. It blows the mind out of the water. Yeah. So much better for the computation and, aspect. Yeah. And the computer has no preconceived notions of what it should or should not be seeing in the data. Like right. They're not like, oh, we better not tell them. We see all this lining up for H. pylori. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, it's like oh, we 80% correlation with uh, exactly. H. pylori exactly. from a CBC and a CMP. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And the humans are like, well, how many people in your study? Oh, 27,000. Oh, <laughs> how did you calculate all this tough guy? Uh, 12 minutes with this box over here. <laughs> you know, like that's that that ends us really well on this beautiful mesh with technology that we can use as a base support to uh, to help us all move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you. So I, I know you were on a call previously. What, what do you think? You, you want to call that part one and then we get to the bigger ones next time? How are you doing on time? How are you feeling? Like, where, where are you at? Uh, yeah, I think we could. I think, like I said earlier in the call, let's stop there and we'll break it up into some arms that we not on the same idea of the continuum, but some arms underneath it, maybe. And maybe we'll cover in part two some of the other arms that I think we do need to we do need to get into that will take a, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So just to give some, you know, people some uh, ideas of different things that, you know, obviously we'll decide on kind of what what things we might want to chat about, but just a preview of some different things. Um, coaching coaching yeah like what does the practice of coaching have to offer and from a human perspective is it is it going to be like long-haul trucking where it's just gobbled up by right, AI? right the practice of it like that in itself i think could be a show unto itself but you know it's big and we very well we very well will do that or just the um you know there's this all this talk and we were just talking about like big data like just because we can collect like we we just gave an example of like how you can extract meaningful data from these data sets, but there's all whole slews of things where 
you know, people are like, oh, well, I've got this device that tracks this thing. It's like, well, is the data even meaningful? Like, yeah, you've got numbers to it, but like, does that number matter? Yeah, yeah. And who decides if it matters? Right, exactly. (laughs) And who's the background folks saying that it matters? Like, there's a lot to it. Yeah, fitness in the metaverse. Oh, Digital pull up. We really, yeah, we need to have buttons. Well, I got a ha ha button here I could use, um, but we need to have like crowd. Just a second. We need to have those buttons because not everyone's going to see our face. So when right. we said the metaverse, this is what happens when we say the metaverse. Laughter and chairs. Laughter and chairs. Yeah. Contradiction in terms to say fitness in the metaverse. Yes. The philosopher's way of saying it. Yes. So anyway, just a little preview of uh, some things we may may discuss. But yeah, today we uh, we talked about you know philosophy and its relation to technology, how it's trying to make sense of you know the way in which technology has really transformed all these different aspects of culture and how we view ourselves and our place in the world, uh, the different developments that are coming down the pipeline, what makes technology distinct from other things like nature how it impacts culture. And then, you know, is it value laden? Is it value neutral? And then mostly what we discussed with regard to fitness, but it was a huge topic was, you know, this device and wearable aspect of things and how nefarious or beneficial are those uh, different, you know, modalities or wearables we were talking about. So. Yep. And I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg for that one as we enter into that area, but I think we just did pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Solid show. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks so much, James.